This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. So the BC Coroner's Service has something called a a death panel review, and they look into unexplained deaths. They have been looking into sudden infant sleep deaths, and they have found that babies continue to die under many of the same circumstances as the last time they looked at this, about five years ago. The panel has also determined that these deaths are disproportionately among young families with risk factors, such as exposure to tobacco or other vulnerabilities, and that sleep position combined with health issues have actually increased mortality risk among some infants. Now, this used to be known as sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS, but there's a lot of new things about this that we are learning and what a big impact it's still having in this province. We want to talk more about this. So joining us now is Michael Elson, who's the chair for the Child Death Review Unit for the BC Coroner's Service. Michael, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much for your interest in the topic. Well, we've, we used to call this sudden infant death syndrome, right? Um, yeah, once upon a time, yes. And so what sudden infant death syndrome really was saying is we can't explain how these deaths happened. And about uh, in 2013 or so, the chief coroners and chief medical examiners in, in the country re-looked at this and um, in, in looking at providing, I think, more thorough investigations, um, trying to actually uh, tease out what we actually did know and what we didn't. And so these, these deaths are now, if we don't know the cause of the death, um, after a, um, a, an autopsy, an investigation, they would be seen as undetermined deaths. And a number of these deaths that would have been um, previously um, categorized in with SIDS actually turn out to be things like um, asphyxial deaths where somebody, uh, an infant may have been um, wedged um, in a sleep surface, a parent may have um, overlaid. Uh, and so really what, what the investigative process has tried to do is, is try to understand um, better um, how these infants um, have come to their death. Right, like try to really narrow down what the possibilities were. Right, so that, that the fewer... Um, of actual undetermined deaths um, we have, um, the better, because the more that we understand how these infants die, that actually has um, preventive actions that we can then um, more readily um, uh, try to take up. Right. So, Michael, did we find that these deaths are still happening, though? Yeah. But to, to put, to put some, some perspective on this, every year there's approximately 44,000 babies born each year um, and an average of 23 sleep-related infant deaths. Um, as I noted earlier, uh, many of these deaths are preventable and they certainly um, occur disproportionately in vulnerable families. Right. So are there other risk factors that we have learned about? Well, uh, the, the risk factors, um, or I actually would refer to them as markers that, that we've known for a while, um, and uh, a number of those things um, would, would be around things such as tobacco use, uh, the sleep position of the infant, um, bed sharing, uh, an unsafe sleep surface, um, a, a soft surface, um, blankets, um, areas where a, a, uh, an infant could get wedged, um, substance use, um, experiencing uh, problems with housing, uh, mental health, domestic violence, 
um, a, a number of things like that. Right. Let's talk Certainly about our, our markers. Let's talk about sleep position then. I, I remember from when my kids were, um, you know, uh, babies when I brought them home from the hospital. The big thing was about don't let them sleep on their stomach. Like what? So what do we know now about sleep position? Yeah. So that that message has been. Um, around for a while is, is you referred to as back to sleep is you want to put your baby to sleep on his or her back um, in a crib or a bassinet in the same room as you is the safest way for your baby to sleep. Um, you want them on a firm mattress that's free of hazards so that ideally to reduce the risk of suffocation. Um, so you want a tight fitting sheet with no bumper pads, pillows, heavy blankets or toys in the sleep space. Um, the safest place for your baby to sleep is in a Health Canada-approved crib or bassinet. Um, it, it, good idea to have your um, baby sharing a room with you, but on a separate sleep surface. Certainly a smoke-free environment um, is, is really important, and, and avoiding smoking during pregnancy is also um, important. And avoid overheating. Babies like to be warm um, but not hot, um, so you want to keep the room temperature comfortable and and there's no need to swaddle them or put a hat on them indoors. Right. Those all sound pretty straightforward there, Michael, though, but are we still have trouble getting the message through? Um, I think that, that, um, that some of the universal messaging, of which we need to continue, um, has, has done really well. Um, but as I mentioned, a number of these deaths, most of them disproportionately happen in vulnerable families. And I think that um, what the panel uh, identified was that um, more than simply messaging is needed. And a couple of gaps that um, were identified in the panel um, was a lack of capacity to deliver universal public health services um, and an insufficient ability to provide enhanced services in situations uh, where we have identified vulnerabilities. And so tangibly, what what might that look like or what might that um, mean is doing things like um, ensuring low barrier and culturally safe public health services um, are available to all postpartum uh, mothers and that there's a a proper assessment and everyone's offered a home visit um, and provided with the support and follow-up is indicated by that assessment. Right. I'm assuming that with the home visit, I mean, that's critical, right? So somebody who can go in and say, all right, like maybe there's too many toys, too many blankets, like create some more space here. Um, certainly, but there, there's, and, and uh, but beyond that is actually then identifying with, with these more vulnerable infants and families is do they have some other needs that are actually going to have to be worked through to help them actually ensure that, that they can um, meet those infants' needs in a, in a safe way. Right. What are the numbers like on this, Michael? Like, are, are we still losing babies to this every year? Yeah, as you mentioned in your opening, um, you know, we, we haven't seen um, a, a change in the rate or the number um, since we did this um, six years ago. Right. So um, there, there certainly is, is um, continued uh, work to be done, given that these are preventable deaths, and, and given... Um, that we we know again disproportionately where these these um, deaths are occurring. So right. it's really important. I think the challenge is um, identifying the needs of these carers and infants, engaging them, and providing them with the support that they need. That's so fascinating because I know there was a lot of progress made against this. Uh, you know, in the '90s and into the early 2000s, H- have we stopped making progress then in bringing these numbers down? Well, I, I, I think, you know, given that we've got 
44,000 babies born each year, and, and there's been a lot of work and continues to be a lot of work done in the universal messaging, and I think that that's really important to keep that up. I think that that's been successful um, to a great degree, but we still certainly have some challenges and some work to do um, in, in identifying, engaging, and better supporting vulnerable families. All right, Michael, thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you so much for your interest. That's Michael Elson, Chair for the Death Child Death Review Unit for the BC Coroner Service. In essence, it is a review unit that takes the deaths of babies and tries to figure out what happened, what are they, what went wrong, 